0: It was about Peter, which you talked about in the podcast as well. But just like, even connecting that to my own story somewhat, of like Peter has this moment of, of you know almost complete clarity over who Jesus is. Right? He proclaims him as the Christ, and Jesus, is like, yeah, you got it. <laughs> uh, but then shortly after that, has this moment of just like total confusion and not understanding Jesus. Yeah. yeah. And Jesus rebukes him. And uh, what I said to Katrina was like. I think, um, yeah, like, that doesn't make Peter's moment of clarity less true or less real. Like, that is still true and real just because he gets it wrong right after. That's and then Jesus does correct him, and, well, at some level, rebukes him at least, Yeah, but doesn't, isn't like, all right, Peter, you can get out of the 12 now, yeah. see you later. Like, you got it wrong, or you got it right, then you got it wrong, now see you later. He's no, like, you I got can't... it right. Yeah, So go ahead. got it right, then you got it wrong, and... Well he does call him Satan, which is really nice. But, <laughs> um, but like Peter sticks around. Like Peter doesn't just leave, and Jesus doesn't really leave Peter in that sense either. But
1: so in, I was just gonna say in Matthew, you get a little bit more from that same story. It seems to be from the same story, they're having that same conversation. And that's where Jesus says, like, you are Peter, upon this rock I will build my church. Like in that same conversation, he's basically like, Upon this rock you will build my church, get behind your Satan. You know, like because he is affirming, but also. He's, Jesus has this way of sort of like pulling you in and also pushing out the parts of you that have to be cast out. You know, it's like pulling in the, uh, the truth and, and casting out the demon at the same time. It, it's just a pause on that for a moment. We'll, we'll sort of get into this, but, but Peter is totally like right. Like in, in that moment, you know, in the story, there's, there's this climactic moment where Jesus is like, he's been so unclear, you know, I've talked about this in the podcast with the disciples for so long. And uh, and then they, he reaches this moment where like he's been super unclear the entire time. And then he said, like, Who do you say that I am? you know, and it's it almost feels unfair from the start. It's like, why why don't you just tell them who you are? You know, like you could just say, I am the Christ, Who do you say that I am? And then they can give the answer back, like any good teacher would, or whatever, they can just repeat the thing that they've heard. But he doesn't. He he sort of he, like, wants to know what are you gathering from this? And so they're like, well, some people say these different things, and they're sort of confused. But then Peter is like, you are the Christ. And you're like, yes, this is this is the moment. This is a climactic moment where someone gets the right information. I mean, if you've ever read you know, uh, like, Young Life* or something like that, I think that's that's what you're aiming for, right? Just like you just you want someone to be like, yes, you have the right information. You know, you don't say it that way. It's, um, it sounds it's I'm I'm purposely belittling it in a way. But sometimes you can you can sort of belittle it on accident. You're just like, I just want you to know this information about Jesus. And then I say, Jesus, died for your sins. And then you're like, Jesus, died for my sins? You're like, yes! You know? and, it's just, and, you, and it's kind of like, that's the climax of the moment, right? And so Jesus lets this moment happen, but then it's it sort of, he, he also lets it all fall apart. And you might even say he causes it to fall apart. Because right after Peter says, you are the Christ, Jesus could have stopped the conversation. He could have been like, yes, you know, like stand up, raise your hand, let's say a prayer, you get it, you know. But instead, he's like, okay, sit down. I'm gonna die. That's that's his response. Like, immediately, that's what he said. He doesn't even say, good job, you're right. He just says, I'm gonna die. That's what he says. And so it's not that Peter is wrong. Like Peter knows his Old Testament. He has his little, he has his little world that is the correct world, which is basically like the Messiah is going to come. He is going to defeat all of evil. He is going to sit on his throne, and we are going to be his people. That is what the Old Testament says. And that is who Jesus is. And so when Peter says that, he's like, that's who you are. Of course, Peter has all these ideas in his mind about how that's going to happen, right? Which is like, we're obviously going to defeat the Romans right now because they're oppressing us. And so let's go get our swords and do that, you know. And then Jesus says... um, I'm gonna die, and he doesn't say I'm gonna die. He says, because that might be one thing. It's like okay, like all the great kings die at some point. He says, I'm going to be murdered by the people that you think I'm going to defeat. That's what's going to happen. That's the kind of Messiah that I am, and so that's what Peter is basically just like. Okay, I'm talking shit. And he's just like, no, this does not fit into my world. I knew you were the Messiah. I got the right answer. What are you doing to me, basically? Why? Why must you insist on adding more to the story that does not fit into my world? Because it does not fit into my world for the Messiah to be murdered by the ones that he is supposed to rule over. You're supposed to have your like foot on their dead body, <laughs> sitting on your throne, the Romans have been defeated, all is well, the king of Israel has come. And the crazy thing about it is: like I'm not just being playful when I say that Peter. Because he really is that king. All those prophecies that, that say that he will defeat evil. I mean, I, I kind of said this to you guys the other week, and you, you may not have thought about it this way very often, but like, he actually does defeat Rome. Like he, Rome is converted 300 years after you know, this event takes place. And it's like, I mean, just talk about prophecy. Like, think about the prophecy that I started, or I ended the podcast with, where he says, you know, um, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed you know, that grows into the tallest tree in the garden. When you it's, it's such a perfect image because when you look at that seed, you're like, even if this does grow, I don't have the patience to watch it out. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just a friggin' seed. Like, I, will I even be alive when it's the tallest, when it's the largest tree in the garden? And in their case, the answer was no. Right? They were all murdered. They were all actually murdered, just the way that Jesus was, except for John. They were all murdered by the people that Jesus was supposed to um, was supposed to conquer. And then the story is even better than that, because he doesn't just put his feet on their dead body. <laughs> he converts Rome. He converts the world. I mean, when we name time after him. Like, this mustard seed grows into the largest tree in the garden. It does everything that all the Old Testament said it was. He does reign in the world, except in a way that wins the hearts of his enemies and conquers them by winning them. It's like it just doesn't get any better than that. That's the way he does it. But it's so hard. It's like you can't just tell that to Peter. You can't be like, hey, you know, nice to meet you. Um, I see you're a fisherman. Let me, uh, let me say it, but I'm you can't You can't say all that in a moment. You can't even say, I'm the Messiah, right? So, like Luke was, was saying, he's like, you want the story to start. <laughs> you want the story to start with, like, or at least I want the story to start with, like, Jesus meets the disciples. He's like, hey, um, let me say something cool. I'm going to die. I'm going to raise again. It's going to be for your sins. And uh, I want you to just you know know that now, and then that's all you really need to know because that's the gospel. And then once you believe that, you get to go to heaven. Go tell other people that they get to go to heaven. Boom, you know, done. Now, why, why, why not? Why not just go ahead and give them the key bit of information that we call the gospel so that they can go spread that around, so that people can believe it, so that you can just do it and then they can go to heaven. Instead, he's healing people. He's casting out demons. He's having really complicated conversations with people about things that we still do not understand to this day. We're going to with one of those today. Which is like, it's written there in the Bible. And like, oh, I, still, I still don't know what Jesus is talking about. You know, he's, he's, he just builds this and builds, patiently builds this kingdom. With his life, not just with his death. Um, And it's only like a couple thousand years later, you can see how it's changing the world. Because that's his kingdom, it's it's the mustard seed It grows into the largest tree of the garden. Uh, But it takes a lot of patience to see that. Like, was that, Jesus building the church on Peter, an intentional decision for the future, like for us, the modern world? I I mean, I I think so. I I think everything. with him was intentional and to some degree, not at the same time. I, I don't think Jesus had a, had a bird's eye view. Um, we'll talk about this more next week, um, but where he, he was just, you don't want to picture him as just this sort of godly being. That's like, knows exactly how everything is going to happen. Because he's in the garden of Gethsemane, you know, on the, on the last night and he's like, Lord, like, is this the way this has to go? Like, can't you take this cup from me? Do I have to die this way? Do I have to give myself up to, you know, to the Gentiles like this? And so in those kinds of moments, you're like, wow, he was really living this moment by moment. He was making these decisions. He was praying to God even that he would be delivered from that moment and still went to that moment. And so he was fully human in that that sense. But yes, to me, I mean, he's the greatest strategist of all time. I mean, it cheapens it to put it that way, right? Because you don't want to see him as like a CEO. But I don't think these were accidental things that he was saying about the mustard seed and about Peter being the rock. I mean, and every one of those things, that's a well in itself. Like Peter, the rock. that that he builds his church on. In a lot of ways, he's not a rock. So there's this amazing irony in it. He also like walked on water. So he's the rock that walks on, like, you know, what what sinks better than a stone? Nothing sinks better than a stone. He also sunk when he was trying to walk on water. And yet, you you see what I mean? And yet Jesus lifts him up. Like, it's crazy. Like he's the one that walks on water and doesn't walk on water. He's the one that obviously should sink in water. And yet Jesus somehow makes him not. And he's the one that the church is built on, who sinks and also walks on water. You know, it's just, and that's what the church is. It's like the thing that sinks and doesn't sink at the same time. It's like, like how is how is there even still a Christian church? It doesn't make sense. So every single thing he said, I think, I think is that, deep. And, and I mean, I just said, I just gave you one snapshot that came to my mind in that moment, but it's just like, you just keep digging and there's just more to it. You're just like, Jesus, what is this guy? Jesus, It's not even that he was doing it. He is doing it. Like that's happening now. That Those things that he said, they're still... His words are coming true, like new prophecies every day to me. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing. It's like, I, I just see the Spirit going around, like making more of Jesus's words more prophetic than they were before.
0: Question,
1: and I don't really understand what it means for the church to be that. Well, that could be a deeper question than we'd have to go into. I mean, if you asked a Catholic, they would have a, a you know, a, they would have a pretty yeah yeah they they would they would say he's the first pope or whatever. I mean, we can. I, I don't understand what it means either. I, I gave you, I mean, I think it means a million different things at once. I mean it means it means that you should not be surprised when you see really uh, broken people uh, also being the foundation of beautiful things. Um, at the very least, it, it means that. Um, it also means that you should not be surprised when you see people being part of the foundation of beautiful things. You know, sometimes we'll say like, well, I trust God. I just don't trust like all these people and institutions and you know pastures and you know, whatever. And it's kind of like, good luck with that. Like, cause God chose to do it this way. Like you don't trust God if you don't trust his people because that's how he works in the world. And I'm not saying that it's like, I don't know, an insult to you because I feel the same way. It's like, I want to trust God. I want to trust all these people. But I am saying that's the sort of challenge that he gives with a
0: saying like that. Thanks for listening to the VB Fellows podcast. VB Fellows is a faith-based leadership development program for recent college grads in Virginia Beach, Virginia if you'd like to know more please visit us at vbfellows.com